Welcome back to the Master Channel Podcast. I'm Dmitrievna, and this is a platform where I interview musicians, producers, anyone who seems to have an interesting story to share. This podcast has had a break of a year, but now I'm back. I hope you can resonate or feel guided by the experiences my guests will share. The very first guest after this break is Farron. Farron is a German breakbeat techno producer based in Bavaria. Early on, he was releasing under the name La Chris on now legendary German label Alien Tape. Later on in 2015, he changed his name to Farron and found his own label called Showcuts. His label is also how I find out about him, purely by listening to music on SoundCloud. In this episode, we were talking about how music industry pressure can hurt creative expression and foster a lack of respect among colleagues. We discussed what is the role of music labels and the role of mental health in music. And at the very end, you can hear one of Farron's tracks, which you shouldn't miss if you like breakbeat or dub techno. Enjoy! Hi Fern, I'm happy that you're on. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, I'll start with a, a rather personal question. So... I've seen from your Instagram that you live really close to nature. Yeah. Uh, like where exactly is it and how did you end up moving there? I grew up here. My whole childhood was uh, exactly in this uh, small city. And after studying, I decided to come back and I'm pretty happy about it. There's really not much going on, but all my close friends uh, live here or live close here. And I have the nature right behind my house which is amazing and yeah i really like that awesome and do you live by yourself yeah yeah that's that's cool i i always dream about that sort of like lifestyle but then i realized i just i would get bored by myself i think <laughs> well uh when i studied i always uh lived together with other persons uh but uh Right after that, it was enough for me. Even when you're making music, it's some sort of complicated sometimes. And mm -hmm. right now I can do whatever I want to do. And that's great. <laughs> you can be as loud as you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're left somewhere in Bavaria, right? Yeah, uh, it's around 40 minutes to Munich. Can you tell me more about how the music scene is in Bavaria or in Munich? To be honest, I don't really know. <laughs> It's uh, tough to answer. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I lived uh, in Munich for half a year, some years ago. And well, yeah, there, there I somehow discovered this so-called Munich scene. But right now I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, you were definitely connected to, to the city before and you were releasing on Alien Tape, so... I was wondering how do you relate to those people in there or if it's if you if you just know everyone like on the internet. Uh well uh I went to school with Marco Zanker and uh he was one of my closest friends in the past but somehow because of my studying time and his progression things got a little distanced. It's hard to say. I mean, Munich, uh, the city itself, means a lot to me getting into electronic music, of course. My sister used to go to raves in Munich a lot and she always told me about it. And then when I 
got closer to Marco. We went to parties where his brother played. And then it was pretty normal to travel to Munich every weekend to raves and parties. So that's really important for me or my past in this electronic music scene. I see. I read on your SoundCloud that you first actually played live thanks to, I don't know, I guess your relationship with uh, with Marco. Yeah. Did you start playing live sets or DJ sets? Uh, I never uh, played a DJ set. Oh, really? I'm not a, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a DJ. <laughs> I'm always playing live. That's like a statement. I love that. Was there any, I don't know, did you make any decision or are you just, I don't know, you don't like DJing? Well, I don't know if I like DJing or not since I never uh, done it, but uh, I w I've also thought about it, of course. But right now, for me, there is no space to really get into DJing too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I never tried it out. <laughs> Are you playing around live? I mean, now it's the corona, but uh, before that, do you play live a lot? Well, right now, obviously not. And, well, when I was busy... Uh, Studying, there was also not much going on. I was really focusing on, on that. And that was also the time period when the, the label, label started. And so a lot of time and energy went into this. And mm -hmm. so there was not that much uh, space for playing live, I think. But I would love to play uh, more often, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's also, for me personally... I feel like I'm missing some sort of a routine regarding to, th to that because I'm always a complete mess when I have to play live. It's really crazy. <laughs> yeah, you have to prepare a lot. Otherwise, it's messy. <laughs> yeah, and it, I'm so nervous all the time. It's crazy. Especially before. When I start playing, it, it's better then. But before, it's like I cannot even really enjoy it because I'm so nervous it's so personal for me I think it's hard to uh, transfer from the introvert mode from in the studio to more the extrovert mode when you have to present it and connect with the people yeah do you feel the same uh not really I mean a little bit but uh, I'm I was performing a lot so I had to get used to it and for me the performance part is actually I, I enjoy it more than producing, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I meant. Uh, uh, the routine, I'm missing the routine. I think when you do it mm -hmm. that often, it's it's way better and way easier. But for me right now, it's, pff, it's heavy. <laughs> that makes sense. Then you're really focused on making music, and I guess this is your primary focus. Uh, what is the one thing that you can't imagine making music without? You mean a, a synth or a drum machine or... It doesn't matter. Can we also just uh, your cup of coffee? I don't know. <laughs> Whoa, that's hard. Let me think. I, well, do you know what a Spezi is? <laughs> uh, Spezi? Yeah, it's like it's like orange. Yeah, yeah. Orange Coca-Cola or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much always in my studio. <laughs> I really like that. And... Well, I, I really love all my gear, of course. I, I cannot really imagine to give anything of it away. So mm -hmm. it's that's all important in a whole thing. Like, yeah, well, the 909 is, is an important drum machine for me, I would say. 
Although I, I don't really use it that much right now because it doesn't fit to my projects right now. But in general, mm -hmm. it's, it's a great tool. I see. Yeah, it's, that's, that's the techno classic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you've been making music for many years now. What have you expected to be different when you were starting out? And what turned out to be the way you, you imagined in the beginning? It's interesting because I've thought about it a lot regarding to my last uh, studio sessions because I had the feeling that it's I was pretty free doing music in the beginning because there were no expectations and it's like mm -hmm. just experimenting and letting it flow and yeah keep it mellow and then I I realized when things started getting a bit more serious that I'm changing a bit because I'm building a lot of pressure on myself and criticizing a lot what I was doing. And with the last studio sessions, like, well, let's say the past half year, I felt like more free again. Why is that? Because I think... I was finally able to take away the negative experience of people and other involved things regarding to this electronic music scene that really annoyed me. And I think I found peace with, with that more. What is this specifically like? Is it just like how the music industry works or like people who have expectations of what music you make? No, it's like uh, more the music industry in general and I think a lack of respect and also some sort of ego in the center of everything and that's really not my thing. I like mm -hmm. to work together and uh, push each other, yeah, not be spreading negative vibes, although these people don't really know that they are doing that. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. Somehow said, fuck it, uh, let's do my shit and let's see where this uh, leads to. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I can totally relate. I think I, I've been in that process for the past uh, three months. Before that, I was so focused on trying to make it, let's say. And only when I decided that I don't want to be like, I don't know, like professional musician or whatever, uh, I only understood that I was actually trying to cater to someone and I wasn't really free in my expression. Mm -hmm. So so to a sense, this trying to make uh, your music a business is very hard to remain really true to yourself because you're because if it's a business, you're trying to cater to a market, right? And then, yeah. and then it's not art anymore and it's really, really complicated. Of course. But uh, are you more happy now? I am definitely more happy now. Uh, I am in a really weird stage, so it's better not to talk about me, but it, it was a decision that I, I had to make. It, it just couldn't go on anymore like this. So. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, for me, it's it's a bit uh, tough, of course, because uh, with the label, I uh, have to focus on the business side too. It's not just uh, doing art, although it's a big mm -hmm. part of it, but... Uh, there's my money involved so <laughs> you want to get your money back <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's tough <laughs> mm -hmm. 
actually, let's maybe dive into the label stuff. So five years ago, you found your own label, Shortcuts, and you've had 12 releases so far, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, 12 records and some digital releases, yeah. I noticed that you use a lot of like Shaolin imagery. Where does that obsession come from? Oh, wow, that's that that goes way back. Uh, I was totally into into that kind of stuff uh, when I was younger. I really loved Kung Fu and martial arts movies, and especially the movies from the production company Shaw Brothers, which is also pretty much the, the base of the the whole aesthetic of the label. And yeah, you can find the inspiration in the artworks, the press texts, the logo, everything. It's always kind of based on that. And I think it's super fascinating for me, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there is this quote on the Shoka SoundCloud. The way of the samurai is desperateness. Ten men or more cannot kill such a man. Common sense will not accomplish great things. Simply become insane and desperate. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean to you? The more desperate I am, the better stuff I kind of do. Uh, like, uh, I have material to, to transfer into art. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, th I think I do, yes. My creativity and the stuff I'm I'm doing is always kind of based on uh, a lot of emotions and insanity is a bit uh, is a big word, but uh, mm -hmm. it kind of feels insane <laughs> too, uh, like everything that is evolving. And uh, yeah, for me, it's important to uh, put my personal experiences and feelings into my music because otherwise I immediately feel that it's a waste of time when I get in the studio and there is nothing there. So it's like uh, sometimes there is there are pe periods of times where I don't do music for one or two months because there is nothing there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you don't have anything to say. Yes, that's that's it, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, so coming back to the label, what do you think is the purpose of a of an indie label today? I really really love to be a platform for other guys and girls music. It's simply amazing to mm -hmm. uh help them get their stuff out and push them and uh Give, give them some sort of home or musical home, which is mm -hmm. simply amazing. And for me personally, it's it's great to have a platform where I can decide what I want to do and how I want to do things without having to do any compromises or stuff like that. And like I've said, helping these guys and working with them is uh, hopefully good for them. And it also feels super great for me. It's mm -hmm. amazing, yeah. So it's more of a community feeling. You know, everyone can release by themselves today, apart yeah. from maybe the physical release, which is a bit more complicated. So yes. if if we kind of if we neglect that, then what is left is the community feeling that you belong somewhere. I think it's super amazing. I mean, uh, we once had a 
a label night in Moscow where I finally was able to meet the Poima guys, for example, for the first time. Mm -hmm. And like it was such a warm evening and night together with these guys and that's super amazing for me. It's something that gives me a lot. I think it's maybe even stronger because you live far away from everything, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, Yeah. I, I always wanted to have um, some sort of community, but I haven't managed to, to create that. Maybe um, maybe a label is, is, is one way how to ha have people who are on the same wavelength as you are. You ever uh, thought about that? Like forming a... A group around you or something like that? Um, yeah, not in a musical sense, um, but but I, I keep thinking about it um, and I, I want to create it at some point because I don't want to be like the lone, loner anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really, I don't know, um, I, I will, I'm going to have a ritual dance at one festival in the Czech Republic mm -hmm. that I'm going to choreograph and um, I think that's what I'm missing the sort of sense of belonging and I, I used to have it when I when I used to go to parties but uh, mm -hmm. I'm I'm too old for that I guess I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I can totally relate <laughs> I mean you get that feeling but then uh, those are very shallow things that that connect you in a way and then you stop going to those parties and that that group dynamic is gone but maybe yeah. it's like that with everything even yeah. like colleagues at work once you don't work with them it's like gone maybe the groups and group identity is is only temporary and maybe that's fine yeah totally that's right I think so too in general how has starting your music label changed your perspective on the music business. I'm sure that through running a label yourself, you see things um, differently than an artist. Around 2015, when I started the label, I think I didn't have a clue about anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, went for it after uh, two years of sleepless uh, nights, if I should do it or not. And mm -hmm. then I finally did it. Uh, and yeah, I, I had no idea what all the steps are uh, to create a record, for example, and uh, promotion stuff. And I, I still think I don't have figured it out. <laughs> I mean, how, how has it changed your perspective on, on the music business? Did you, do you, after starting the label, have you understood something new? It's so hard to not sound uh, that bitter, <laughs> but I think... There are a lot of idiots out there. <laughs> That's what I learned the most. And uh, li like I've said uh, in the beginning, uh, that ego uh, thing is so much more present when you're uh, running some sort of platform. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's so annoying for me and I simply hate that. And also disrespectful behavior and <laughs> putting some sort of... Uh, hierarchy in personalities do you know what i mean like for example let's say i am asking a bigger name for a remix i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure i will get treated differently than uh oskoton dude <laughs> for example i see i see that's shit to me i hate it yeah i mean but at the same time um 
those people have limited energy and they have to I mean make making remixes is not always just about doing something for fun I think a lot of people do remixes because it just makes money right yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so they have to consider what's gonna be worth it and if someone has more money to pay them or it's gonna help them in the career they will prioritize it and unfortunately that that's that's not something like you can be mad at them I'm, at least I, I I understand it, but it's but it's shit, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 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 not really mad at them. The the problem just for me is I sometimes feel like yeah, there is a lack of respect, and that's uh, my problem. So you feel just even just the way they kind of talk to you, they treat exactly, you exactly, exactly. Yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, like you're you're not you're no one, and I don't give a shit about like your label or whatever. Exactly. That's uh, mm. sometimes sometimes uh, the case. Not always. Uh, I don't want to say that at all. Uh, but sometimes it definitely is. Have you experienced that before? That like when you were an artist, or have you felt this sort of hierarchy or competition? Yeah, probably uh, before too. But I cannot really remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I also uh, think that uh, in the beginning you. You just uh, think that's normal, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you don't know uh, the other uh, way, and then you just think, okay, uh, that's how things are run. I don't mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. know if I if I like that, but yeah, let's take it, and yeah, it's. But then you you get more experience and. Uh, that's also a goal for me to to treat anybody uh, the same. It it doesn't matter to me who sent me a demo, a demo, for example. If it's a nicely written email and not a disrespectful email, I listen to everything and I always uh, get back to the to the persons uh, with the mm-hmm. feedback uh, because. Uh, I know how it feels when you send out a demo and you never hear uh, something back and that's... I, I would uh, even prefer to hear your m- music is shit <laughs> than no, nothing. Not, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think those are great values. Like, I always try to do that. When people write me, I always try to respond. I think as long as you have time and you're not overwhelmed, I think... It is just a sign of respect that, I mean, or just appreciation that people either listen to your music or they just care about what you do. Yeah, that's also exactly uh, what I meant before. Like, for example, when I when I write an artist uh, with a credit uh, for their work, for example, I am always, well, not always, but I often get a response like, thank you, that's super nice, blah, blah, blah. But when I have a request, nothing. And that that's what I don't really understand. But I sound so bitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe now it's time for another question. Um, what kept you motivated when you felt if when you felt down or you felt frustrated, do you have some sort of personal philosophy that keeps you going? Yeah, yeah, uh, I think probably skateboarding. That's nice. a <laughs> that's a way for me uh, where I can totally clean out my head because when you're doing that, you simply don't think about anything else than that, and it's mm-hmm. good for my body and my health, and I always feel better 
when skateboarding it's an outlet some somehow it's really important for me i really recommend anybody to step on a board once <laughs> it's amazing are you are you the type who like thinks a lot or overthinks <laughs> yeah i just wanted to say that uh, overthinking is uh, is the perfect word probably it's like the same regarding to the nervousness before my life sets i'm overthinking mm -hmm. everything like the worst scenarios are always in my mind and mm -hmm. especially when I decide to release on my own label it really takes a long time for me to finally do that again because mm -hmm. uh, I don't have the, the label owner who tells me uh, what I can do better or how things should be so it's just me that says if that's good or not and it's somehow yeah not dangerous but a big step yeah i found it interesting that you talk about skateboarding because i have problems with overthinking as well mm -hmm. and i noticed that when i think a lot it like actually physically exhausts me like i'm really tired yeah and um yeah i want to focus more on being more in the body like doing yoga or Mm -hmm. doing meditation or just yeah doing something where i have to be in the moment yeah and then these thoughts it's not like ignoring the thoughts but just like sometimes i feel like your thoughts can carry you away so much like that you start thinking about complete bullshit <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course and it doesn't it doesn't solve much i mean there's 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 a point where like there's there's like a good amount of thinking and there's a point when it turns into like like unnecessary thinking that's actually screwing everything up yeah totally yeah we we once talked about it on instagram the wim hof method in the morning yeah. is really helping me a lot regarding to that it totally cleans out my head in the morning and it feels really great do you do the breathing and the cold shower or how do you do it i do the breathing in the morning after uh, mm -hmm. standing up and uh, the showering usually usually in the evening yeah mm -hmm. but i always uh, start <laughs> with the warm shower <laughs> i cannot start <laughs> <laughs> i cannot start with the cold one it's too tough <laughs> i don't for me it's it's good when i um when i do yoga in the morning and my body is warmed up and then the cold shower is not that bad but i usually last only like one minute so I'm not mm. too hard on myself. Yeah, that's enough, I think. It, it feels good. I did actually baths as well, and I went to a lake one time. I, I wanted to repeat it this winter, but I didn't manage. <laughs> in, the, in the winter? Wow, that's yeah. tough. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like, um, like thousands of needles hitting <laughs> my legs, you know? <laughs> How long did, you, did it take you to get fully in? Or did you just jump? No, 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 no. I, I went, I went slowly. I think it, it took me maybe, maybe maximum a minute. Then I stayed maybe like 15 seconds, and then I went back. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. It's tough. It is, but I think it's. Um, you know, I told myself that I want to do that because when I used to party, I thought I'm doing like really crazy stuff with the drugs and 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 so on. And I thought I want to do more crazy stuff, and and this is like pretty crazy to me. So. It's mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, of course. 
So what are, what are your next plans, both uh, for your own project and for Shortcuts? There is a new EP uh, coming on Shortcuts for the Sentiment series, the digital series, uh, under a new moniker of myself mm -hmm. that will be out in the beginning of July. And then there are uh, two more records uh, lined up for this year, but I don't want to talk about it yet. It's okay. There are pretty special projects for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I'm really already really looking forward to put this stuff out. And yeah, um, I think I will just work on more and more music. I I have. Like I've said in the beginning, I'm more free feeling right now and I want to take advantage of that and mm -hmm. see where this goes. What about you? In terms of what are my next plans? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm giving myself time to explore and feel what I'm feeling and do what I'm passionate about without putting expectations or too many plans on it. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I've been doing up till now. I've been like planning and strategizing and now I want to be like, okay, I will do what I feel like. And I've been making music a little bit in that mindset and it was much more fun to just play without yeah, feeling or thinking about, okay, this is going to be an EP and this is how I'm going to promote it. And mm -hmm. um, Maybe in the future I'll be able to separate those two things. But right now, I only want to focus on like what gives me pleasure, and yeah. then I will see next what I'm gonna do with that. Yeah, but uh, how was uh, like the did the coronavirus uh, play a big role in that too? Because like first I thought like okay, you're way much more time at home, you have more time for music, but mm -hmm. I simply couldn't do it at all. I I wasn't inspired. I didn't. It was like more of a musical break for me. Even listening to music, I didn't really want to listen to music around that time. Yeah, I don't. I know only one person who told me that they were looking at tutorials and like using this time. But I think everyone was pretty much depressed in themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, because because I I mean, and I think it was. It was an important time for everyone to stop and reevaluate what is important in their life, what mm -hmm. do they want to do, yeah. that the li life is short, you know, and like, how do you want to use it? At least, I mean, I went through that process and I think many more people, maybe not in such a radical way. If nothing else, this this was useful to just slow down and reset, reevaluate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. I think so too. True. And maybe it's also uh, some sort of, uh, well, I, it's terrible for uh, the whole scene in general, like clubs and stuff like that. But uh, maybe it's also a bit healthy for the scene that this just happened. And maybe that uh, artist fee craziness and all that stuff will shrink down to a more healthy size again but I don't know let's see that's possible maybe not um, I just I just realized that be before that I had like this big goal of making music my living and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself mm -hmm. 
And now I'm slowly, I mean, understanding that maybe that's that's just not the right way. Or if I would continue with it, it would have a really, it would have big impact on my mental health. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that people who do music professionally and like they're at the top, I think they have to be very, very strong mentally to... Yeah. To not start living in some false reality, mm-hmm. just just to make a living, you know. Yeah. Like the person that I, I think I look up to the most is uh, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Like from what I've seen on her Instagram, she's you know she's sober and she's working out, you know, doing what she loves. And um, I don't know her personally. Maybe maybe she's a gold digger. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> she doesn't seem like that. And. Uh, all the interviews I've seen with her were like really, really good. And I think she's one of the, I don't know, most other DJs and producers because she have, I don't know, really worked on her mental health. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think it's not worth making a living from music if it destroys you personally. Of course, yeah. But I, but I think it's also important to, yeah, to still follow your vision in art, and uh, of course, uh, based on a, a he- in a healthy way, of course, yeah. But just don't uh, stop it. <laughs> yeah, i i thought of I thought of stopping, but then I heard some music, and I was like, oh no. I want to make music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but for me to two months not making music was like like the end, you know. But for you it's probably like yeah, that's just like my break, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever, but for, for me it was like oh my god, I stopped making music now. <laughs> no. I will end with the last question. Imagine you're just starting out making music. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Yeah, I think uh, following uh, your own vision is super important. Just do it if you have the desire to do it. And and try not to let other people hurt you in this business. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, thank you for the interview. And I wish you luck for the future releases. And I'm looking forward to hearing them. Well, thank you very much for having me and uh, also wish you all the best, of course. Keep it up. <laughs> Hope you've enjoyed my talk with Farron. Now we can listen to a track of his called Contaship.